Welcome back to the Word on Fire show. I'm Brandon Vaught, the Senior Content Director here at Word on Fire. Today, we are discussing the future of Catholic schools. We're going to be talking about why many have closed, why that matters, and what schools will look like in the future in order to flourish. But before we get there, Bishop Barron, always good to see you. Welcome. Hey, Brandon. Thank you. Always good to be with you. A couple weeks ago, I asked you about one of the recent Bishop Barron Presents discussions you did with Jessica Hooten Wilson, but you just recently did another one. We've been recording a lot of these together. Mm -hmm. We're going to release them as sort of a season here pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, but the most recent one you did was with So Rob Amari. Tell us who he is and what that discussion was like. Really interesting guy. He's the uh, editorial page editor for the New York Post, one of the most popular newspapers in the country. Very interesting background. He was born in the Ayatollah's Iran, left when he was a teenager, came to this country, lived life as kind of a, a secular, you know, a goth, I think, for a while when he was a teenager, got into all the postmodern stuff, and then eventually found his way to the Catholic faith. It's a very interesting story. Read his autobiography to get that. He also just wrote a book, and we talked a lot about this uh, follow-up book that's called The Unbroken Thread, and it's an attempt to find those values that are often forgotten about, that have kept our civilization strong you know, for all these thousands of years. So he relies on a number of different figures from different cultures that express these ideas. He reminds me there of C.S. Lewis, uh, Lewis's idea of the Tao, or this basic moral intuition that can be found across the cultures. So we talk mostly about that book, The Unbroken Thread. Today, we are going to be talking about a thread that for many decades was unbroken, and that's namely the Catholic school system, but recently has been severed in, in many places. I'd like to use as a launching point here a recent article in the Wall Street Journal. Here's the title. It said, Catholic schools are losing students at record rates and hundreds are closing. And I want to share a few of these statistics with you and uh, get your thoughts. I also want to talk about your experience going through Catholic schools. You were educated in the, in the Catholic school system. And then finally, I want to look at some of the reasons why these schools are closing and more importantly, what the future holds, how we can strengthen and revive this, this school system and help it to flourish for decades to come. So first, some statistics, okay? In the 1960s, that's when the Catholic school system peaked. They had 5.5 million students. In the 60s, there were about 11,000 Catholic schools at the time. Currently, today, the number of students in Catholic schools is 1.6 million. So we've gone from 5.5 million to 1.6 million. The number of schools is almost half as much as the 60s. It is 5,900 schools in operation, so 11,000 to 5,900. Um, First of all, is that shocking to you? I think most of us have a sense that it's it's been shrinking for a while, but did you realize it had collapsed at such a staggering rate? Well, I did because I'm a Catholic insider, but um, probably most people would be pretty surprised by that remarkable uh, decline. And it's very, very bad news. We shouldn't uh, soft pedal that. We shouldn't underplay it. It's very, very bad news because the Catholic school system is essential to evangelization, to the formation of uh, the next generation of, of Catholics, and therefore to the formation of the culture and the society. If a, a person formed in the Catholic tradition fades away from the culture, the culture is going to suffer. So that's not just a minor kind of institutional hiccup. It's a major cultural problem that the schools have collapsed to that degree. 
before getting to some of the points in this Wall Street Journal article, I thought I'd give you a chance to maybe talk about your experience. You know, again, you were not in the 60s. You were a little bit after that, but you're still kind oh, of Oh, I started in the, the 60s, though. The sure, 60s, I went okay. to first grade 1965. So Okay, um, so you're still kind of at the high point of when yep. the system was flourishing. What was it like? Oh, I remember it very well. And, you know, we look at it now. We didn't know it at the time, but it was a kind of last hurrah. My parents' generation... Uh, of Catholics would have just taken for granted that you send your kids to a Catholic school because the Catholic faith meant a lot to them. They believed it in their bones, and they felt it was their number one responsibility to raise their kids as Catholics. My parents, of course, formed us in the faith in all kinds of ways, but they realized it's just, it's it's a non-negotiable for my parents, and I would say for you know the the parents of of those kids in in the with me. It was just a non-negotiable. Of course you send your kids to Catholic schools. Was it more of a sacrifice? Sure it was, even in those days when things were less expensive. But still it was a sacrifice. But uh, that's what it was like. And I remember, Brandon, when I was a kid, uh, we took it for granted that the Catholic schools were better than the public schools. They were stronger than the public schools. Uh, We had better instruction, better teachers. Now, was that to some degree Catholic propaganda I was taking in? Maybe, but I, I think there there was something to it objectively. They were stronger schools because they were so thoroughly supported, uh, so enthusiastically supported, financially so strong. So I remember that time and floods and floods of kids. You know, I, I had these giant uh, classrooms of, of kids. So sure, I remember the heyday of it. So as a young boy, you went through the Catholic school system, but now as a bishop, you oversee a lot of Catholic schools, not only in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles in general, but in your region of Santa Barbara in particular. How would you assess the current landscape? How are Catholic schools today? Well, they're struggling. I mean, I don't want to be too dire about it. We're not doing too badly in L.A. Uh, we're closing and consolidating very few of our schools. But, you know, we, we struggle with numbers, and that's been true for a long time. Um, so they're, they're stable. It's, it's hanging in there, but it's a somewhat parlous situation, I would say. But that's true pretty much across the church. Now, we can explore a lot of the reasons for that, but it's a tenuous situation, I would say, in a lot of our schools. You know, let's, let's unpack that a little bit here. Um, What are some of the reasons that you think explain this precipitous decline from the 60s to today? Why why has enrollment cut in half? Why has the number of schools dropped in half? Yeah, I'm going to say this a little uh, flippantly. The nuns and the nuns. And what I mean there is the N-O-N-E-S. So we've been tracing that for a long time. As more and more people disaffiliate from the church and disaffiliate indeed from religion— it becomes less and less of a priority for them to educate their kids in the faith. My parents' generation, as I say, it was just a number one priority that you'd send your kids to a Catholic school. But as people are more and more disaffiliating, and then they have kids, well, they're not going to make it a high priority to send their kids to a Catholic school. Or even those that remain, let's say, nominally Catholic but not with um, devotion, they're not going to be that motivated, especially as the cost gets higher and higher. So the nuns is one problem. And again, I'm being a little flippant here. When I say the N-U-N-S, we'll go back to my time uh, when I was a kid. There were still a lot of nuns teaching in the Catholic schools. Well, and I don't want to state this too crudely, but nuns were people that, that gave their whole life to it. 
they were not paid much of a salary at all because it was their religious vocation. When they were able to fill many of the, of the um, teaching jobs, then it was much less expensive to maintain the system. So now when the nuns and, you know, brothers and priests have gone down so uh, dramatically, those roles have to be filled by lay people, and lay people have got to be paid a lot more money because they have families to support and, and mortgages to pay and so on. Um, so combine the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, the rise of those nuns and the decline of the other nuns, N-U-N-S, and you have the condition for the possibility of a lot of this uh, decline it becomes a much more expensive prospect to maintain our schools, paying the lay teachers. And you've got far less interest in supporting Catholic schools on the part of, uh, of parents. So I'd say those two factors are perhaps uh, the most important. Let's go from there back to the Wall Street Journal article. They note that the schools have been declining for some time now, but COVID really expedited that in a lot of places. I'm going to quote from the article. They say, Catholic schools across the country are struggling to keep the doors open after a pandemic year that left many families unable to pay tuition and the church without extra funds to cover the difference. At least 209 of the country's Catholic schools have closed over the past year, according to the National Catholic Educational Association. More closures are expected this summer. Some schools have taken to GoFundMe, which is a crowdsourcing campaign, just in order to stay open. Um, nationwide Catholic school enrollment fell 6.4%. And here's the statistic that stuck out to me. This was the largest single year decline since the NCEA, this Catholic educational mm -hmm. group, began tracking statistics in the 70s. Urban dioceses have been hit especially hard and as well as low-income families. Um, they note the Catholic Archdiocese of Los Angeles. It said their, their enrollment was down 12% since the start of the school year. Why do you think COVID especially accelerated this decline? Well, that's, I think you're right in saying it that way, that to blame it on COVID is, is not right, but it probably just pushed, you know, over the edge, things that were kind of standing close to the edge. I'd be a little bit cautious. I want to see what happens in the wake of COVID. Uh, as we recover, will these numbers get better? I know in LA, for example, in some cases we, we increased enrollment because we were open when some of the public schools were not open. So I, I'd be a little cautious about some of those stats, and I, I'd want to wait and see on COVID. But it doesn't uh, undermine what we were saying earlier, that we really do have a crisis on our hands, and COVID didn't help at all. But I, I want to see what happens now in the next, next year or so. But the issues are, as you suggest correctly, far more basic than just the COVID thing. It's an evangelization crisis. Uh, I've argued that for years. And I know, you know it's hard, Brandon? It's like a, a trees and the fruit thing. Is Where do the, these kids come from that will, will occupy the seats in our school? They, these are the, you know, the fruits. Well, they come from trees. And so if we're not attending to the trees, namely the families and the, and the evangelistic formation of our families, they're not going to give rise to kids who will be good candidates for Catholic schools. And so it's a long-term issue. And I know, you know, and I'm a church administrator. There's always the temptation, well, okay, we got a crisis. We better solve it with, you know, with an investment of money or whatever. And sometimes, yes, you have to do that. But the deeper question is always a question of evangelization. Are we evangelizing our people sufficiently so as to produce the, the trees that will in turn produce the fruit? 
uh, and then if I can press it, so that's the, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S side of it, but the N-U-N-S side of it is are we producing families that are likely to produce vocations? People willing to give their whole life without compensation to serve the educational needs of, of the uh, Catholic youth. Uh, they don't come out of a void. Vocations come from Catholic families. And so an evangelized Catholic family is far more likely to give rise to a nun or a priest or a brother than one that's not evangelized. So I think that's, if you want, the long-term, you know, um, 30,000 feet sort of um, solution to the problem. I don't want to dwell much longer on the bad news. Again, I think for most people, we understand the Catholic school system is struggling, it's in decline, schools are closing, enrollment's down, so we don't need to waste more time on that. Let's, let's turn to a couple more important things, which I think are the purpose of Catholic education in general. We got to get that right before the schools turn around. But then moving forward, what, what direction should schools take if they want to place evangelization at the center? What would that look like? So let's start with that, that purpose of, of Catholic education. Suppose a teacher, an administrator, a principal came to you and said, hey, Bishop, what's the purpose of Catholic education? Why does a Catholic school exist? What would you say? Evangelization. To declare the lordship of Jesus. That's, that's an easy question to answer in a way, Brandon, because it's what everything in the church is about. The church doesn't have a mission. The church is a mission, as Paul VI told us. It is to evangelize. And so that's the purpose of um, all Catholic institutions, including and especially schools, to declare the lordship of Jesus. Now, we do that precisely through our education, not just religious instruction, but all the courses have a relationship to Jesus Christ, who's called the Logos. We're a Logos religion, a word religion, reason religion. Therefore, all forms of reason reflect Christ and return to Christ. If, if you've given up on evangelization and you say, i got an excellent school where we teach English and math and history and science, fine, but we don't need any more of those. I, I'll send a kid to a, a really fine public school that teaches those things. But a Catholic school evangelizes and evangelizes in relation to and through all those um, uh, courses. I'll tell you a story from many years ago um, when I was back in Chicago and I was invited to speak to um, high school principals in the archdiocese, all Catholic schools. And I got to the meeting early, I remember, and um, I sat in as they were, they were talking about, they were asked each to get to the microphone and say, here's one really good thing about our school. And uh, I was there for the, almost the whole session. And one after the other, they got up and talked about, you know, their science program and their computer program and the, the improvement in their math and, and the, the paving of their parking lot. And they, we got our, our, our school plant is in much better shape. And every one of them, and not one of the principals, ever mentioned religion or the faith or Jesus Christ. And I remember I got up, and, which is guaranteed why I was, I was never invited back to speak to that group, but I, I just said, can I share this reflection with you that I think we've got a problem. When I've got the best and brightest people in Catholic education in this room, and you all were singing the praises of things in your school, and not one of you mentioned uh, the church or the Lord or evangelization. I said, then we're missing the point. Then we don't know what we're about, finally. I've had arguments out here with school boards when, I, when I'll use the language of evangelization and people say, well, if I do that, then, then we have to close our doors. And I, my answer is, then close your doors. 
if I don't, I don't need another uh, STEM school. I mean, we have plenty of those. And uh, but as a Catholic bishop, I want schools that proclaim Jesus Christ. Now, not in an overbearing way. I love the fact that we have all, we have non-Catholics in many of our schools. Terrific, terrific. They're great people to evangelize. <laughs> you know, we don't do it aggressively. We don't impose, and all those good things. No one's calling for that. But that we have a clear Catholic profile agenda that we're trying to bring people closer to Christ. Otherwise, we should close our doors. I think back to your parents' generation. They were happy to sacrifice and scrape and save money to send you and your brother to Catholic schools because there was something unique on offer at that school that they couldn't get at the public school. There was a distinctive flair or feature to the school, namely the Catholic faith. They couldn't get that anywhere else. But Today, I hear a lot of parents who's either their kids are in Catholic schools or they're thinking about sending them to Catholic schools, and a struggle they have is that the Catholic schools seem to be almost identical to the public school system. They seem to be almost aping or accommodating themselves to the public school system, maybe just at a higher degree. They have better STEM programs yeah. or sports facilities or whatever. What's what's unique about what Catholic schools should be offering and should be emphasizing that parents can't find in non-Catholic alternatives? Jesus, <laughs> the risen Lord, uh, and sharing His life in the church—that's called evangelization. That should be permeating the life of the Catholic school, in religion classes, of course, through mass, other liturgical forms. Yes. I, a good friend of mine, uh, Father John Muir, has a, a Catholic school down in Phoenix, and he begins the day. They, they can gather all the kids in this big kind of open courtyard area. It's Phoenix, so it's always warm. And um, he gets up on a, like a little balcony and leads them in prayer every morning. There's the pastor of the parish leads all the school kids in prayer. Good, good. But then, Brandon, I want math teachers that understand how the truths of mathematics are reflective of a creator God who has imbued the world with intelligibility. As you know, one of the arguments for God's existence is the fruitfulness of mathematics, the practical fruitfulness of mathematics. Why does mathematics work? How come we can build bridges and we can build buildings and all that? It's because there's an intelligibility to the structure of reality which mathematics reflects. Well, that comes from God. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're talking nonsense. And so I want a math teacher that understands that. I want a science teacher who's not caving in to the Galileo myth nonsense. It's not caving in to the, you know, oh, I guess I'm doing my science here and then faith is some wild fantasy over here. I want science teachers that understand the faith, reason, rapport. I want English teachers that can introduce students to the great masterpieces of literature that open up the soul, you know? Whether you're reading Chaucer or Shakespeare or, or Ernest Hemingway, I don't care. It is the, the, the great writers are talking about the soul and its struggles and its deepest reality. I want them at all levels, history, you know, to talk about the church's role in history, to talk about how God's providence is is evident in the movement of history. Um, so it's not like just, oh yeah, well, we have a religion teacher that takes care of religion and then we have mass once a month or once every two weeks. That's not enough. It has to pervade the whole place. I'd love evangelized people teaching. I, I'm not going to press on that in every single case, but I think there should be a um, critical mass 
on the faculty of people who are dedicated Catholics and understand the faith and, and propagate it. So that's what we need in our Catholic schools. They should have a distinctive profile. If they're one more STEM school among many, close them. Another dimension of evangelization is spiritual formation. And I think we've a lot of our schools have lost that commitment that the school isn't meant to just form the mind, but the whole person, including and especially the soul. This Wall Street Journal article actually quotes the superintendent of your archdiocese in Los Paul Angeles, Escala. Paul Escala. Yeah, he's yeah. a good guy. He's, he says this, education is not simply about educating a mind, but is about forming a human spirit. So that would include right. formation and, and virtue and prayer and the spiritual life. Catholic schools are meant to provide that whole uh, holistic formation and not just produce people that are smart at math and science. Dead right. And he's a good man, and uh, that's a good way to put it. But we have to translate that now into action and into institutional uh, specificity. And that's a challenge. I mean, I get that. It's a challenge I, I face as a regional bishop here, and I supervise a number of schools. Uh, but that's the vision. Absolutely. He's got that right. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of alternative movements that have exploded in popularity in recent years. You know, we've been talking most of this episode about Catholic education, specifically in terms of Catholic schools, diocesan schools, parochial schools, but a couple of movements that have just, uh, again, exploded are homeschooling and, and the classical schools movement. Um, what do you make of these? Have you had much experience with homeschool family? We're a homeschool family, so yeah, you've you are. <laughs> heard some of, our, some of our story, but what, what's your perspective on both homeschooling and classical schools? Yeah, good. You know, I know a number of families who do homeschooling, and I understand, given the crisis in education in our country, that's different from when I was a kid. Uh, no one talked about homeschooling when I was a kid. It just—I it, don't know if it even existed. Maybe in, in like an Amish community or something, but it just <laughs> wasn't a reality in my time. But I get people's frustration, certainly with the public school system, and especially now with the woke ideology and, and the, the really strange understanding of the human person and so on that's being propagated. I understand people wanting to withdraw from that. And, you know, I'll, I'll be blunt about it. In the measure that some Catholic schools are, are caving into that or, or not sufficiently standing against it, I understand parents that say, I, I don't want my kids in that environment. So I get it. I get it. Classical schools, I got a marvelous one in my region, the, the Augustan Academy. And I visit there many times, and it's it's uh, terrific. Where they they bring the kids through the great books and and the classical um, um, intellectual sources. Uh, they teach them the the life of virtue. Liturgy is a key element. Um, I love those schools, and and they're flourishing around the country. So good. And if they if they provide a sort of healthy uh, challenge to the Catholic schools, okay, so be it. You know, if the Catholic schools can see in those. Maybe something that, that they could try. All right. And I've urged that actually out here in my region sometimes to use some of the elements from the uh, classical schools in our Catholic uh, school systems. So I, I think those are good, you know. Um, in a way, what's regrettable, Brandon, is that, is that people have felt the need to withdraw from the official systems because they've seen them as inadequate in different ways. But okay, okay. Life finds a way, as they say, <laughs> right? And, um, you know, and finally, we're all in this together. We're all in the business of evangelization, of bringing people to the church, and I hope we can find a way to work well together. Let's uh, close with this. Suppose you were sitting in an, uh, an auditorium and you have thousands of Catholic teachers, educators, superintendents, administrators, 
your talk is on where Catholic schools should move in the future. What would you recommend to them? What would you say? I've had those talks a number of times, actually. Um, I think on, on the grandest scale at the LA Religious Education Congress, where I speak to an arena filled with the people you just described. But I've had several other and smaller scale conversations. The first point I always make, Brandon, is one that I just made with you, that your primary purpose is to evangelize and um, to bring the Lord Jesus Christ front and center. The second point is to do that in a very integrated way, as I said, uh, that it's not just the burden of the religion teacher, but it's the whole program has got to be evangelistic in form. Um, get the right textbooks. So now we're getting more into the nitty-gritty. Um, there are textbooks that are really good at bringing the faith front and forward. You know, one reason why in Word on Fire we brought out that little book, uh, Brilliant, right, which was designed for middle school students, and it's on the faith reason problem, the, the science faith problem. And um, I love that book, and I thought, well, good, let's get that in the hands of teachers. But I tell them, look for books and texts that are conducive to the evangelistic purpose of the school. Um, I, I remember, I'll, I often say, oh, could all the science teachers please stand? And they do it. Now, could all the religion teachers please stand? And they'll say, you folks need to talk to each other because we got a serious problem here. Our young people are saying that these two things are incompatible. If our Catholic kids are saying that, we got a problem. So I, I say those two talk to each other. And then more generally, that all of you need to talk to each other a lot about the evangelical purpose of the school. So those are a couple of things. I, I like the prayer idea, too. I mentioned John Muir, but uh, something as simple as that, that we have the pastor of the parish. And then that's maybe a final thing, Brandon, is pastor-principal collaboration. Nothing is more important for a Catholic school. And when Catholic schools suffer, in my experience, it's because that's broken down, that the pastor is not paying attention, the pastor is not in dialogue with the principal, um, the pastor isn't setting vision and direction to the principal. So pastors, principals together, get the faculties talking to each other, get good texts, be focused on your evangelistic purpose. Um, and then beyond that room, though, is talking to Catholic families. Because from Catholic families who are well evangelized come the nuns and the priests and the brothers. You know, I, I'm looking to, Brandon, I'm looking for a saint. I need a saint who will rise up and say, my whole life is about forming a new order and community. I don't care if they're sisters, brothers, both, I don't care. But of people that will say, I'm going to dedicate myself totally to Catholic education. You know, the ACE program at Notre Dame, I've thought very highly of that for many years, kind of a similar model, not using religious but, but lay people. But I, I want a saint. Now, maybe it's, someone, maybe it's a younger person listening to this podcast. Um, I want a saint to rise up and say, my whole life, a new Elizabeth Ann Seton, she's out there somewhere. She's out there, maybe listening right now, there's, a, there's an Elizabeth Ann Seton, to say, my life is about forming a community, an army, finally. I want an army. We need an army, by the way, not just a little community. It can start small, but I want it coast to coast, north to south, the, the new Elizabeth Ann Seton to form a community of dedicated women or men or both who will say, my whole life's about Catholic education. I'm not demanding a salary. I'm doing it as a, as a gift to the Lord, you know. Now, I know that's, I'm dreaming big there, but you want the ultimate solution? That's it, seems to me. We got to attack the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S. We got to encourage the nuns, N-U-N-S. And that combination, I think, will be really helpful to our schools.
Well, it's time now for a question from one of our listeners. Every episode, we pick one question from listeners who submit their questions. You can do so at the website, askbishopbaron.com. You can record your question on any device. Today, we are hearing from Maria, who lives in Brazil. She's asking a mm. question about how to develop good friendships and evangelistic relationships with some of her non-Christian friends. Here's her mm. question. Hi, Bishop. I'm Maria from Brazil. And I believe that friendship is at the heart of apostolate. But my question is, how can we be better friends for our friends that are not Catholic, Catholics or even Christians? Yeah, thank you. I love the, the instinct behind that, that friendship is key to evangelization. I, I think that's absolutely right. If I'm simply hectoring somebody, I've got the cleverest arguments in the world, but I'm hectoring them from the outside. I've never established a relationship with them. I probably won't be much of an evangelist. Uh, I love the, you know, the focus model where people will first establish friendships and, and connection and relationship. You know, so that's really a good instinct. How to be a good friend? I mean, part of it is is being a good friend in itself is evangelistic because a first step can simply be trust. Do I trust this person? And if you can signal sincerely through your own friendship that you're a trustworthy person, that will open a space where they might feel free to ask a question or pursue, you know. The second thing is to live your faith unapologetically, and I don't mean this now in a wearing on your sleeve way, I don't mean that, but to unapologetically and publicly, that you let people know that you're a person of faith, not obnoxiously, okay, not that, but uh, that you're unselfconscious and you're unapologetic about your, your Catholic faith, and people know that. So the combination of, hey, I like this person, and hey, this person's a Catholic, that's evangelical dynamite. That, that combination is, is what's going to bring people to ask the question or, or to be intrigued enough to say, boy, she seems like a really good, decent, happy person, and she's a, a Catholic. I wonder if those two are connected, you know? And once you make that move, then we're off to the races. Uh, evangelically. So be a good friend, first of all, and be an unapologetic and publicly Catholic person. And I think then you've got a good combination. Thanks, Maria, for that question. Thanks to all of you for listening and watching. I know this is somewhat of a loaded topic. I know people have very strong feelings about Catholic schools, whether you're a parent, a teacher, an administrator, but we'd love to hear from you. Let this be the beginning of a broader conversation. If you're listening to this on audio, go over to YouTube and find this video titled The Future of Catholic Schools. Leave a comment. Tell us what you think, where you think Catholic schools should move into the future, and let's uh, begin a, a much broader dialogue. Well, thanks so much for watching and listening. We'll see you next time on the Word on Fire show.